Peter's everywhere. Actor Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your engine. Ben will not be playing this week. We'll turn toward Mason Rudolph and our young quarterback positional group and, and give those guys an opportunity. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now here's Tunch and Wolf. Good morning, everybody, and welcome inside the locker room once again. It's Craig Wolfley flanked by Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler here on a Wednesday, and we are off and running, getting ready for Steelers-Browns and something that we discussed a little bit yesterday on the show and leading up to the Mike Tomlin press conference. Who would be playing? Who wouldn't be? Who would get a helmet? Who would get a rest? Well, gentlemen, we know one thing for sure now. Still, you know, some, some, some answers to be found in that regard. But as it relates to the quarterback, as it relates to the gunslinger, Number seven, Ben Roethlisberger, he will be in street clothes Sunday in Cleveland. Uh, nothing for Ben. He will be completely rested. No, uh, you know, no coming out and treating it like a preseason game, maybe one series, a couple series. Uh, it will be Mason Rudolph getting the start for the Steelers in Cleveland week 17 against the Browns. Wolf, uh, your reaction when you heard the, the news yesterday? <laughs> oh, my first thought was, well, if they're going to take Ben out, make sure he's in street clothes, okay? Because I know that the Browns are capable of knocking out the starter mm-hmm. only to bring Ben in <laughs> and set <laughs> records, you know, and beating them coming off the bench like he did like five years ago when they knocked uh, Landry Jones out of the game and Ben came off the bench to set records and lead the Steelers to victory over the Browns. A very Brownsian moment, if you will. But look, <laughs> Ben sits. And absolutely, I think the rest taking time off from that, uh, I don't know, maybe a mysterious knee injury. Maybe it's a mysterious earache. I don't know. I mean, you know, who starts these things? It's ridiculous. But the fact is, whatever that, that crack of lightning, fellas, that we saw in the second half that produced three TDs in 11 minutes, my friends, I'll tell you, it can't be replicated in practice. So sit them. Let them have some rest. No, I'm with it, man. We, we talked about that being one of the deciding factors, right? Health over, you know, the the rhythm element of it. But if there's any player that we probably all feel the most comfortable with not worrying about rhythm, not worrying about practice, it would be seven. We talked about a guy like seven, and Wolf, you hit on this multiple times this week in terms of how the first half, the performance was what it was, but you still can have that type of belief in him because he's done this before. You still can have that confidence in him because of his long history of high, you know, just productive, uh, high productive play and stuff like that. So I think, man, with Coach Tomlin announcing early on that Ben's not going to be out there, number one, it, it just reiterates what we just said. But number two, the fact that he didn't see anyone else kind of lets you know his overall feeling of his players going into mm. this game. He wants them to get those reps. And I feel like outside of Ben, he, he, that was the message he wanted to send, you know, because Ben, we, we talked about, he is priority number one. Then after that, we can go down that list. But if if Ben is the only one that's not out there, the rest of y'all, man, y'all have to make sure that you're working on these things we talked about, getting your rhythm, 
if you're Deontay, if you're if you're Claypool, if you're Juju, man, just seeing the ball home. If you're you know some of these, uh, if you're Alex Highsmith, man, put together another game like that where you're productive rushing the passer. I need to see more of that, and I think that's what Coach Tomlin is kind of alluding to with the message that he sent out indirectly by just announcing that only Ben right now won't be playing. Yeah, I think that's well said by you, Motsi, that he's still, you know, okay, we're going to, the quarterback, you know, he's he's earned his stripes maybe a, a little bit more than, than some of the others. And, and, and yeah, and I think you, you touched on the rhythm thing with Ben. I, I'm with you on that. That is not as much of a concern for me because we've seen that a lot over, over Ben's career where, you know, you hear the cliche a lot, uh, certain guys, certain teams can just turn it on and others have to stay in form, right? Mm. Uh, ben is one of those guys who can just turn it on. Um, it, we've seen it There's it's through his 17-year career, right? That's a big enough sample size now that we know that it's not a fluke. Uh, ben is one of those guys, I, I don't think he has to be in rhythm. I don't think he has to be in form. He can dig down deep and find it when his team needs it. And Wolf, they're not going to need it any more than they will, what, December 10th, December 9th, whenever that first playoff game is. You know, in, in I mean the, January. Or sorry, yeah, right? December 9th. Like, yeah. Don't mess me up, man. We already, we already passed have, December 9th and 10th. I have an, a problem enough keeping the days straight as I'm in quarantine lockdown here. Yeah, <laughs> Zooks, man. This is like Groundhog Day every day. This, it's turning over, you know. This is the, you know, not to seek comfort here gentlemen but this is <laughs> this is the hardest week of the year isn't it the week between christmas and new year's like what day is it what week is it you're just stumbling around with a <laughs> belly full of cheese and just not knowing what day it is or when the last time you went anywhere yes yeah, so uh, january 9th and 10th wolf uh, i'm not worried that when that you know when the steelers whether they play on on sunday the 10th whether they play on on january the 9th whatever the nfl decides to do with the scheduling uh, I'm worried, you know, I'm not worried, but there's there's obviously things that, you know, we'll talk about it and concerns and things to watch going into that game. Ben Roethlisberger's rhythm just isn't one for me, because like I said, no. I'm, I'm confident that he's a guy that can can turn it on when it's time. You know, here's the thing about it. And I'm going to ask Arthur about, uh, you know, his perspective on this, because he has been coached by Mike Tomlin. He knows Mike Tomlin in, in a way that I you know only know from seeing Mike professionally talking to him on the outside, but as a player-coach relationship. But, you know, the first thing, if I'm Mike, you know, if Deontay or somebody else or Alex Highsmith, you say, hey, when you set the club record for the most starts ever by the Pittsburgh Steelers, then you can talk about taking a week <laughs> off, okay? That's, you know, you know, that's experience in your tank. That's Ben Roethlisberger. But for Arthur, again, I've said this before, and I really want to hear what you say. Does any coach, do you think any coach in the NFL know the pulse of his team as a group and as a individual, how each player and what his needs are, does anyone do it better than Mike Tomlin? Not at all. I mean, that's what makes Coach Tomlin so special and why we would always, you know, bulk at the people that spoke of him as a player coach as a negative connotation. I mean, I, I've never been around or, or seen so many people say that, you know, you shouldn't want to be around the guy you want to work for every day. Like, I enjoy coming to work for Coach Tomlin. I enjoy the right. conversation. I enjoy, you know, when we're critiquing each other, when he's pushing me. I, I enjoy that, you know. But for the and the biggest reason I enjoy is because of the personal relationship, because the respect that is there, because of the trust that is there, and because he knows what to say and how to motivate me. He knows what to say to rebuild me and, and ultimately keep my confidence going. 
but people look at that as a negative thing. Oh, he's too close with the guys. <laughs> I'm like, it makes zero sense. Like, you, you, you let me know if, you, if you're going to work for Microsoft, I'm pretty sure you would want your manager to be involved in your life, right? He, you would want that manager to be like, hey, man, how's your day to day? Hey, what can we do to make you better? Hey, Wes, you know what? I think you work right. better when Mugs, you're sitting in this corner Mugs, I'd office love it if somebody instead asked me of over that. there, you know? But, but <laughs> pe- pe- people, I mean, everybody all of a sudden wants to work for Belichick now. When, when did that become a thing? Please tell me. I've never, no, seriously, I have never in my life seen this many people consistently talk about player coaches as a bad thing and talk about Belichick's and the harder military style coaching as this like great revelation that we all should want that. I can tell you for a fact, man, we could go down the list of every listener up here and I guarantee. Over half, probably 80, 90% of them are going to be saying the same thing. Man, I don't want to work for a hard boss that's going to be mean to me, not have any fun, <laughs> never talk to me, just a curmudgeon, always walk around, bar humbug. No, that's not fun. <laughs> Who wants that? But when it comes to football, all of a sudden, that's what we're supposed to want? Like, get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> You can't make I this knew stuff you'd up, come man. through, Arthur. You can't make you this stuff up. You disappoint me, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that's well said. A- absolutely. And, and that's something that, you know, that's one of those things. I, I'm always interested in that, what you just said there, Wolf, with head coaches. Their finger on the pulse of the team, right? I, I think that's one of those things. It's, it's hard to boil that down to an exact science, you know, it, it, it's it's just a feel thing that, that some guys seemingly are able to do better than others. And, and yeah, I think Mike Tomlin is certainly at the top of the pecking order when it comes to that conversation. And so because of that, he has decided, and I'm sure not just him, I'm sure it was a, a couple collaborative decisions, but, but Mike Tomlin obviously being the head coach, Ben Roethlisberger will take a seat, will rest this Sunday in Cleveland. So with that, guys... I, I'm curious to know what you guys think the offense will look like on Sunday with Mason under center. Um, Because a lot of what we've seen from the offense this year, right, is Ben being Ben. Uh, Kind of drawing things up at the line of scrimmage, working some routes with his wide receivers. We know the struggles in the run game. Um, We know some of the struggles that have popped up at times when the Steelers look to hit the intermediate to deep pass. Uh, I wonder in your guys' minds, we'll start with you this time, Motsi, what does the offense look like under Mason? Do they try and do similar things? Do they try and and do more in terms of establishing the run? Is it something maybe that we haven't seen yet that's not going to be completely out of left field, right, but just a little more tailored to what Mason does well? What does the offense look like on Sunday in Cleveland? It's going to be tailored for Mason. Um, Especially with them announcing Ben was out that early. Yeah. I think two reasons. Um, number one, the what we just said, though, in terms of the message that Coach Simon wants to send to the rest of the players. But number two, Coach Simon is a big believer in if it's a guy that, that you know, doesn't have a lot of starting experience, but he wants him to get that opportunity, he's going to make it be known early. And not only that, he's going to make sure that he puts together a plan for that player to be successful. So – Knowing Coach Tom, he probably went into that meeting on Monday or whenever they decided um, that Mason was going to be the starter this week. And they said, "Okay, Randy, Canada, what does Mason do good? What does he struggle with? You watch him every day in practice. We got some carryover from last year, obviously. But what does he do well? What does he struggle with? Okay, formulate a package that is exclusive of the things that he does well. Yeah. Okay. Whatever he does not so well, let's minimize that. I don't want a lot of that in there. You might sprinkle one or two things in there, but I ultimately want to stay away from that type of stuff. And from there, that's going to be the mentality. They're, they're going to treat this as if Ben wasn't even on the roster. You know, that, that, and that's how you have to operate because obviously as the backup, you never know when your number is going to get called. So this is kind of like a pseudo, man, we lost our quarterback. 
this is how the game will go. This is how we will prepare for that scenario. So I do like the fact that Coach T announced it early, and we've seen him do this multiple ways now, right? Yep. It's easy to, all, to to announce him early now because that's what you would typically want to do in a scenario like this. There's no pressure on Mason, so he's good. But then we also saw last year where he would wait a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. to announce a starter because now you're talking about pressure and questions that are getting asked to these guys that they don't need to deal with. It's other stuff they should be focusing on. So you can just see the different styles of handling Mason being a starting quarterback this week versus, you know, Ben. And, and, and Coach Simon, when, when Wolf talks about his finger being on the pulse of that team, this is what he speaks of. I mean – if you don't understand how to maneuver, if you don't understand how to make these type of things so that way your guys can rally and still be at their best, then you don't really understand your team. You're not really connected with them. But Coach Tom is just another example of him being that. You know, I agree with you, Arthur, and I think it's so well laid out. I really, in my mind, you know, I'll take you to quote what, what Mike Tomlin said. He said, our business is to win. This is a scheduled game. Our business is to win. So we're going to prepare with that mindset. And that's exactly what you're talking about, all right? You're not talking about, all right, we're going to go into Cleveland and we'll give it the old uh, college try, one for the dipper. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not the way the that dipper. man operates. Right. <laughs> Listen, I'll take you back. Listen to this, man. You'll love this. I'll take you back to back in the – latter part of the 80s mid 80s somewhere in there we got a preseason game we're in new york we're playing the giants and 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 uh we played the first half it's like the fourth preseason game okay they we're out you know we're sitting around it's the second half all of a sudden ron blackledge our line coach comes up to him and goes hey buckle up you guys are going back in now we got like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter <laughs> are you kidding me he goes we're like looking at him like he's lost his mind you know like he's got three heads so we're looking at him. He goes, Chuck wants to win the game. <laughs> hey, Ledge, have you ever heard of the biscuit theory? Now, the biscuit theory was first proffered by Dennis Hoghera of the Los Angeles Rams, okay? He was a great guard, played for him, right? So what's, what's the biscuit theory? One time, the same situation happened to Hogg. He was sitting out, had to be put in. So he's trying to uh, artfully pull himself out of the the, the equation of going back into a game. He said, he said, coach, do you understand? You know how you have a biscuit that comes out of the oven. He had a West Virginia twang. He goes, it, it comes out of the oven and you know, it's all fluffy and light, you know, but in the morning, that biscuit is hard as a rock. He goes, well, I'm hard as a rock right now. I, I'm all stiff and everything. And so we were sitting there trying to say, you gotta be kidding me, ledge. And he was Chuck Yankin. He put the whole, starting offensive line back in we won the game against a bunch of guys that weren't even playing the next week for the giants (laughs) people that were all cut uh but we won the game and that's the mindset of chuck back then and i think mike tomlin is very much of the same mindset very similar in in his approach to this last game sorry that was a bit long no no, i like that i like that anytime we get a uh, chuck no story man i'm always down baby I do. Or I'm always biscuit down. theory. I do love and, it. And, and, I'm giving you that. And if we don't talk food, I mean, did, did we really even have a show? So I, I appreciate <laughs> the biscuit shout out as well. That's true. You guys, are, now I'm yes. thinking. Now I'm thinking of biscuit world down in West Virginia Ooh. because Wolf said biscuits and West Virginia there in the same sentence. Oh yeah. Ooh. 
I, t- I tell you what, fellas, we can, oh, get, we can get down to Morgantown from here in about 60, 70 minutes. Don't tempt me with get, a good time. Get, go, go, to, go, to, go to Biscuit World and get a nice heaping breakfast. Don't you tempt me with a good time. Oh, we got don't any, you do it. We got, any, we got any audio here that I can play for the next hour to right. cover up? <laughs> Greg Wolfley, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, talking football, talking Steelers and Browns, talking food. Everything's on the table. Uh, we're having some fun here on a Wednesday. This will be our last show of the week uh, before the holiday. So everything on the table if you want to join in on the conversation. Wolf, Motes, Euler, rocking and rolling here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. It feels, it feels amazing uh, to, to be able to put this hat and t-shirt on for uh, the second time now. is an awesome feeling. It's, the NFL is a very humbling game. It's very hard to win games uh, week in and week out. And we're very proud of the guys in this locker room, uh, but we're far from done. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now here's Tunch and Wolf. I'm proud of the guys in this locker room, too. Craig Wolfley, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. That was T.J. Watt talking about winning the AFC North there. And, gentlemen, you know, we, we talked about Mike Tomlin, his, his pulse or his, his finger on the pulse of this team and just uh, everything with, with, with Mason, Mason Rudolph starting there in the first segment. I wonder how would you guys go about the rest of the roster, right? Guys like T.J. Watt, guys like Cam Hayward, guys like Marquise Pouncey, and David DeCastro. Is it purely a feel thing going into the game where just when you feel like they've got enough work, it's time to, to get them out of there? Or is it something that you decide ahead of time that, okay, it's going to be X amount of series or it's going to be first half or first quarter, whatever it may be? Uh, the other guys, right? Aside from Ben Roethlisberger, uh, what, how do you kind of handle some of the other veteran guys uh, heading into Sunday? Uh, for me, man, I had about seven players outside of Ben that I felt like this really pertained to. Um, the seven players, I think we we had talked about some of them, actually. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, uh, Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, Minka, Pouncey, and DeCastro. I did want Vince to play a little bit just to get his lungs back under him. But those guys that I had named, though, I want them to at least – I mean, d- depending on what Coach Thomas' temperature is on them, if he says, hey, I want two – possessions or if I want one quarter or two quarters I feel like you go in though with the plan now I don't feel like you tell them the plan that and, and <laughs> me I mean we, we joked about that the right. other day with Wolf like I don't want them to know that because I want them to go through the mm-hmm. mental preparation and, and Wolf knows man it's 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 serious mm-hmm. man when you, when you talk about preparing yourself to play a game your mind goes to a different place your focus goes to a different place throughout the week and, and it's all building up to that but if you tell the players ahead of time that they're not going to, you know, go out there and play in the game or they're only going to play a quarter, well, then they're not going to go in there with that same level of intensity. They're not going to prepare the same way. And this no longer becomes a dress rehearsal. It's going to glor- it's going to be a glorified. I hope you don't get hurt because huh. that's going to be the approach that they take. So I do think it's important that you allow these guys to really prepare the way they need to prepare. Don't handcuff them or I mean, not handcuff them, but don't set them up for failure by allowing them to know that, hey, we're only going to play a quarter. We're only going to play a, a series because I've seen it happen way too often, especially with this group and, and being a part of it. I was one of the guys that did the same thing. Like, I tell you, coach, don't tell me. 
Like, if you tell me, I, I cannot handle this thing, man. So knowing that, man, I, I think he's going to mm. handle it the right way. But, yeah, I, 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 those are my main people that I'm really looking at getting in and out of the game. You know, Arthur, I'm in agreement with you, especially with the people that you named. And uh, I think those are guys that you highlight. Look, the importance of what Arthur's saying, what he's trying to convey, I think in my mind is so important because here's the thing about it. If you, when the best way, I shouldn't say the best, the most vulnerable you are on the field is when you play cautious. Hmm. When you start to look over your shoulder, worry about who's coming up behind you, you look around, you're trying to protect yourself. Trust me, that's the fastest way to injury city. Okay, I mean, that's, that's that's been a proven fact, at least as far as when I played the game, uh, that that was absolutely true. The thing about it is you play the game the way it's supposed to be played. You play full out. Don't worry about when you're going to be out. Coach will take you out. He'll take you out when he's he's, you know, satisfied with what he sees. If if Mike in his mind says, you know, these guys come out and uh, let's see, they let's say they go 80 yards on the opening drive, score a touchdown. Uh, I might be thinking about Pouncey coming out. I might be thinking about the Castro coming out at some point, maybe in there. Matt, certainly, maybe no more than a quarter, maybe a half, but I ain't telling them, all right? You go out there, you play the game. Play the game full out the way you always do because you want them to play in a way that also makes them their most invulnerable, and that's to hmm. play full out. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. Obviously, you guys know that much, much more than than I do uh, from personal experience. Both of you guys, a decade or more in the National Football League, but that's I think that's something you hear from the moment anybody who plays contact sports. You always hear that, right? Like if you're trying not to get hurt, right. you're gonna get hurt. That that's yeah, that's a, that's a cliche for a reason because because that's been proven, and I think that's well said by you guys. Is there any difference in terms of some of these veteran guys, right? Like we talk about how you go through a normal week of preparation and you get dialed up and, and, and you guys have, have shared what it's like, what you go through mentally 48 hours before the game, 24 hours before the game on game days. Is it harder to do that? when you know that, all right, well, there's a pretty good chance I'm only going to play a quarter or I'm only going to play a half. Like, you know, we talk a lot of times about putting the blinders on and, and just focusing. But, you know, from a personal perspective, how difficult is that to do in a situation like this? Yeah, yeah, it, it can be really tough. Um, <clears throat> that human nature that we're always talking about, the, 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 the good and bad part of it, right. this is the exact same thing. And that's why me and Wolf keep alluding to not telling the guys <laughs> because mm -hmm. that the human nature man as much as you want to combat it as much as you want to put more effort into not allowing it to happen it still happens it might not be to the full extent but you still get it and it's something that you would have to battle all week so that's the biggest reason why i'm always like man don't tell those guys just just allow them to go out there if they're thinking it on their own that's one thing but don't let me confirm it don't let me you know reinforce what they're right, already right. thinking because then it's it's no turning back after that so that that's my biggest thing with you know as it pertains to guarding against the human element guarding against the guys just knowing that hey man i'm not gonna be out there that long i'm gonna do what i want like i'm good like no 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 if coach didn't say and and if i'm coach t the way i'm talking all week is we're here to win 
I, I, I'm gassing yes. about the two seed. <laughs> like, I, I'm giving mm-hmm. them that energy. Look, man, y'all got a chance to do something special. Y'all haven't made the playoffs in how many years? You finally won the division first time since 2017. Now you got a chance to be the number two seed in the AFC. Man, you talk about going from the outhouse to the penthouse. Mm-hmm. Why not now? And Mason, it's on you. What, what better way to show these people that you could be the guy long term than coming out here and beating a highly motivated Browns team? A Browns team with mm-hmm. their back against the wall. Yeah, and you it, could you could keep that Browns exactly. team out of the postseason like, like, as well. Like, it, Mason, not only <laughs> not only is this beneficial for your career, but on a personal note, mm. you remember the last time you were on the field with Cleveland. You remember what happened. You remember what happened afterwards. So this is your opportunity to silence everyone. This is your opportunity to get that revenge. If you want to go out there and hit them in the mouth right here, man, the way you do it is throw touchdowns on this team. The way you do it is move the ball on this team. The way you get at Miles Garrett is by showing him that, man, I'm going to be the quarterback once Ben retires for the next 10 years, and you're going to have to deal with me. Now, that would be how I would talk to Mason and get him going. I don't know if Coach T really going. I know when I said the next 10 years, I'm sure Steel Nation was like, boy, what What did you say? I, I was just, it was, hey, I was in the zone. All You're right? in the zone. I was in just the zone. It. I, I had my Mike Tomlin on my bug eyes. Don't I'm, stop I'm looking him. He's at on West, a roll. Like, 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 just chill, you know? I, I'm not saying that that's what he said. I'm just saying he might would say something along those lines. <laughs> He's that's on a roll, you. Wolf. Like, like when the Germans when the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor. Don't stop him. He's on a roll. Oh, I love it. You know what? That's a mindset similar to mine. You know, I mean, you know what, Arthur? I told you when I met you, don't mock me. I'm the I'm the face of your future. So. <laughs> oh man. For you, you know though, what? Wolf, you yeah, you have true. any experience with that? Well, yeah. Well, the, the thing about it is, here's the thing. It's human nature to prepare as you need to prepare. Sure. Think about this, Wes. If I told you, all right, tomorrow we're coming in, which we aren't, okay? And you're, and you're going <laughs> to do half a show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you only have to do an do hour of radio show. instead of two hours. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to prepare for the hour. That's Absolutely. just human nature. Absolutely. And, and, and your mindset <laughs> becomes one of lowered RPMs because hmm. you know – that you're not going the whole way. So you're kind of like, I don't need to really watch that much film. You know, I'm going to only, you know, play so much. And you know what? It's not that big a deal. We're already in the playoffs. And, you know, um, I, I don't have to do the extra things like uh, get my weight work done this week. I'm going to take get kicked back a little. And you know what? That's the descent that creates the lesser RPMs in your gourd. Hmm. And Arthur knows this. Not everybody checks in with the same RPMs week in, mm-hmm. week out. You know what I mean? It's about preparation that begins from day one in the work week and right up until kickoff. And, and the kickoff is nothing but the summation of the work you've already put in since the work week began. Well said. Well said. And, and that's why he's Mr. Woo. That's right. You're looking, you're looking 10 years <laughs> into your future there, Arthur. <laughs> that's why they call him that right there. Put some respect <laughs> on his name. I'm sorry you're talking 20 years in the future. (laughs) (laughs) And more, come to think of it. Um, I wanted wanted to touch on this at some point today, uh, and we might as well now since Moats just mentioned, you know, he who shall not be named. Number Mm -mm -mm. number 95 for the Cleveland Browns. (sighs) Fellas, it's it's another year. There's a lot to play for for both teams. In my mind, I think there's no chance that we see any of that stuff from last year resurface carry over. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. Are, are you guys confident enough that the Browns organization is one that is well-led enough, mature enough on their end 
to to not let any of that stuff carry over. I don't think it matters if they're mature or not. I think what matters is the dollar bills. Hmm. I don't care if you're mature or not. You respect and you understand once that pocket gets tapped. And we <laughs> saw Miles' pocket tapped for you know a substantial amount yeah. last year. Yeah. So you can make sure that, or it's safe to assume that whatever the NFL did last year, if something were to happen again this year, Whew. I mean, we saw that here with James Harrison, right? First time James Harrison had that big old hit. You're like, ooh, man, it cost you 70K. Oh, all right, okay, all right. That, that, was, that was a lot, but okay, we cool. Then he went on and did it again. And what they say? <laughs> We're going to charge you 170K this time. And then you're like, whoa. And what happens? Eventually, them hits start to stop. <laughs> so I'm not worried about Mason. If the Browns would love to donate to the NFL's fund, NFL donation fund, that's what they call the NFL fund. If he wants to go about that, man, by all means, we're not going to stop you. We're going to get the 15 yards. You're getting kicked out, and you're losing money. So for the Steelers, I don't think they even have to concern themselves with it. I mean, it's not like you're training for an MMA fight, so even if he does hit you, who cares? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It's not like we're watching a boxing match. Hey, man, you better be ready for that right hook. No. If Miles Garrett chokes Mason, do you really think that not, – not even the players. The referee's going to let that happen? Nah, not at all. And he's still getting kicked out, and they still won't make the playoffs because of that. So trust me, I don't think there is any chance <laughs> – that anything like that yeah. happens. But 100% from the Steelers' side, that is yeah. zero, yeah. zero for them, man. Now, see, the funny thing is I come from a different era, a different generation. <laughs> and I'm listening to this, and I'm going, you know what? That makes absolute sense. Everything you just said makes absolute sense. Now, I will tell you, that didn't work back in the 80s and the 90s. You know, because our fines then, think about it. It was, yeah. Uh, I remember getting. I got fined 500 bucks for, for fighting, okay? I mean, what? And, well, if I would have well, got yeah. five, 500, I would have fought every game. <laughs> I, for a Arthur, fact, I, I probably would have fought twice. Well, <laughs> what? Arthur, I'd be like the dude in hockey. I wouldn't salary. even need to. Hey, I'm telling you, I, just, I would just be running around out there, no gloves on, ready to rumble. Like, yo, not, Arthur, what are you playing? You I'm playing fighter. Five a year. There you not go. When you make thirty-seven five man. a year. Understand, young man. There's a big difference between oh, my salary and your salary back in the day. Okay. So, and by the way, I stood on two strike lines so that you could fight every That's weekend right. hey, because already... five hundred bucks was nothing to you. Hey, my hey, hey listen, you, you, you already know I'm never going to talk bad about y'all, man. If it weren't for y'all, it's no me. <laughs> And, and, and trust me, my family says their regards as well. <laughs> <laughs> that I do believe, my brother. Yes, that indeed. I do believe. So I would tell you this. Coming from the 80s and 90s, this type of situation I've faced several times. And one of the things that you're always, you, you do is, look, be aware. That's all. Just yes. be aware. And yes. I get what you're saying. They'll jump in. They'll break it up. We didn't have all the cameras, yeah. 147 right. camera angles that would be able to bust you uh, you know, in, in the aftermath, we didn't have uh, a commissioner who, you know, was trying to get all the elements out of the game mm -hmm. that uh, he's doing now and the referees with directives like that. I mean, fighting back then many times was, oh, you're fighting, you're fighting a flag on each side, offsetting penalties, go to your corners or separate huddles and then come back out and do it all over again. You know, the fact is it was just a different time frame, but there was that element in the NFL where people did take runs at each other. And I was going to say, y'all so, do some dirty stuff back then. I remember seeing some of them hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's a little different. 
Yeah, yeah. We didn't have the outside zone where guys are strewn across the field. I, I, we I, had pileups where you could get some dirty work done in the pileup. You I, know what I, I mean? I've seen so many high lows on y'all video. Like, oh, what, yeah. what in the mm-hmm. world? Lord, have mercy. The, the crack toss. Oh, yeah. y'all, y'all out here setting at the, your end defender, whoever the force defender. Man, y'all are setting that guy up. <laughs> I done seen so many headshots, outside ins. Oh, Lord. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No yeah. question. I come from an era where I will just say that it's been told this guy shouldn't finish the game. And then, you know what? He didn't finish the game. It oh was just, uh, you know, the hound of the Bastervilles were sent after him. So, having said that, you know, you go into the game and you sit there and you say, um, I'm going to be very aware of 9 5. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean to go after him. That doesn't mean or anything like that, but you're aware because you want to protect your guy. Make sure I, everything I hear coming out of their camp, miles Garrett could well be a changed man. And I, I hopefully prayerfully would hope so, you know, that you would not have any sort of dust up like that again. That's bad. That's bad business for everybody. Yeah. But the fact for the brand is, of football too. I mean, let's be real. Like, oh, it is. That is not a it good is. look but for the us fact as a whole, is, man. Arthur, you know as well as I do, you protect your guys. Oh, and gotcha. so you're always that you'll be unaware. So that that's what I would say. Absolutely. And not only are you gonna protect your guys, if something were to go down, I mean, we saw even last year Pouncy and other players getting involved in it. I mean, it, we're not saying that right. you just turn a blind eye. I'm just simply saying that no, you don't have to it, it's not like you gotta play bouncer out here because right. with the right. cameras, with the just the climate right. of right. the NFL in 2020, man, if you hit a guy questionably now. You're getting fine. What did Miles Garrett lose? I mean, that was yeah. how much he, he was he was suspended. He, he missed the last five, five, five six, six games. Six games. Six yeah. games. So that's six yeah, games. Third of what? the season. That, yeah, a that's, that's a ton of money. Easily. Ton of money. Yeah, yeah that's I can't even believe it. That's yeah, more than I, I, I made imagine you in miss, my lifetime. I must say, if you miss oh. six game checks, man, that will have you sick. As the first overall that draft. That will have pick. you sick. Yeah. You talk about money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you that'll six, well, six that'll hit you at home. Been, uh, yeah. Six games would have been 18,000 in my career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Arthur's going, ba- I paid back in simpler times. On a night out than that. <laughs> that that's, I'm probably sure that's back when you could get, like, was it a uh, uh, penny candy and stuff? That's yeah, right. Yeah. Probably oh, go, oh, to no, the, no, no, go to the movie for, for a quarter. Yeah, yeah. Gas was a dollar. There was tops. actually the dollar menu <laughs> yeah, at man. fast food restaurants. We, we get hey, our paper hey, every hey, day fellas, of the week. Yeah. I remember pulling into a, a gas station with my mom when I was like in third, fourth grade, right? She's digging under the seat to find change, loose change to get a gallon of gas because it was like 30 cents. So that's how wow. old that's how old I am, man. <laughs> and, and, and I don't envy you, man. Like I said, I, I look forward to the day that, that I could be in your shoes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Wolf. You know, you know, twenty oh. years from now, Moats will be sitting on the airwaves saying, These guys these days, you want to know what I got paid <laughs> on my rookie deal compared to what man, these let, guys let, are let making. Let me tell you what I was making. Jeez. Let me, let me tell you, exactly. let me tell you, young buck, what I was making back in <laughs> back in two thousand and ten when I got drafted to the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Arthur Moats, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler having some fun as we always do in the locker room about 17 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by Jim Wexel as we continue to set the stage for Steelers-Browns Sunday in Cleveland. Going to take a break here. We'll have more on the other side. You're in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR.
he brought an energy and an intensity and, and a demeanor um, that was contagious. Um, but but he always brings that. That's consistent with who he is. He just hadn't been very available of late. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Mike Tomlin there talking about James Conner in the postgame Sunday after the victory against the Colts. I guess kind of that's been our our theme of the first hour of the show here, gentlemen, right? Uh, what's going what's what it's, what it's going to look like on Sunday? Who's going to be playing? Who's going to be sitting? What do you do with the guys who are playing? I guess the final piece of that conversation, I'm interested to know what you guys would do with the running backs Sunday against the Browns. Is it more work for Benny Snell? Uh, do you rest James Conner in hopes of keeping him fresh for the playoffs? Um, or do you want James Conner out there because you want to get him going ahead of the playoffs? How do you guys, um, you know, if, if you were Coach Tomlin, how would you go about um, delegating the duties for the running backs this Sunday? Man, I'm torn. I'm torn because I want James to be as healthy as possible. We know that James, I mean, was coming off an injury, not this past game, but the week before that where he had missed time. So I would love for him to be as healthy as possible. But then at the same time, I think about how inconsistent the running game has been. I think about how much it struggled. And I do feel that you need rhythm. You need reps. You need that continuity of being back out there. So that's why I feel like I will play him, but I'm not playing him a lot. I feel like even though he's not one of the initial seven players that I named, I feel like you still have to handle him carefully because of the injury history with him. And he still is very significant. But like I said, because he has missed a lot of time and hasn't been as productive as we would like, I want him to get some good just stadium reps. Mm -hmm. It's it's something about, man, when you make a couple of plays in a game, you can make just two or three plays in that game, but it changes your confidence level. It makes you feel good about yourself. And ultimately, it carries over into the work week. When you're in practice, you're going to practice better because you feel good. Then when you get to that following game, you typically start faster because you're more confident in yourself so that's something that I'll be looking to do with James but you got to be careful because you know he I mean he can get hurt and it happens pretty frequently so that's something that you would definitely have an eye on you know you're right on Arthur uh and what what do we know about Anthony McFarland you know is he is he you know injury wise COVID wise he's clear he's all good believe so yeah. yeah from my understanding yeah okay all right so so what we don't know is what he can do in the stadium. We've heard, you know, he's had this, he's had that, that sort of thing. So I say, Anthony McFarland, step on up. You're going to get a preponderance of the, of the reps. I would hope, I would think if I was, you know, to make that call, James is just what you said. You kind of hold him a little bit with kid, kid gloves, just because of the fact that he does tend to get nicked up a little bit. Uh, what he's also used to, being nicked up and missing time and coming back and performing at a very high level. He's gotten experience at that. So the fact is, I don't think he's going to need a lot of reps. What we know that he can provide is three down backs. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a three down back. Uh, One of the significant things that we saw in that second half was some of the dump off passes screens to James Conner that were vital in keeping the drives alive. I think that's one of the areas that he excels over Benny, that he excels over Anthony, is that secondary, you know, that check down weaponry that can get the first down uh, on those pass plays. So I think it's very important that James get a touch, get a taste, 
But I would think Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell, that's where I'm really primarily going to put the reps. Yeah, no, I, I would like to see a lot of, of Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell for sure. And I think, right, we, we've talked a lot about how you tailor this week the offense around Mason Rudolph. Uh, we know that, that getting the running backs involved will, will certainly help in that regard. Yeah, give Anthony McFarland, you know, double-digit carries and see what he does with it. Give Benny Snell, you know, a real opportunity and, and see how he looks out there against the Browns defense. I, I think that's well said by you guys. And and because, yeah, I, I mean, they, they obviously they need those guys in form. They need those guys hitting their stride starting next weekend, you know, when the playoffs begin. But but I think they need James Conner healthier uh, more so than than anything else, certainly heading into that first. That's that game. fine balance, man, at this it time is, of yeah. the year, man. Health versus rhythm. Health versus, right, right. you know what I mean, get, get some good reps. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. especially for a team that didn't – they never had – that true bye week. I mean, we talked about how the initial bye week and how that whole situation played out. And then you had the Ravens situation that turned into a pseudo bye week, but it still wasn't a bye week in terms of not only the physical, but the mental Just relaxation. Yeah. Right, right. When, when you talk about a bye week, man, not only is it for your body, but mentally, man, you're able to truly unplug. I'm not game planning. I'm not watching film. Right. I'm not preparing for an opponent going through that. Like we were just talking about, right? The mental checklist mm -hmm. of, a, of a work week, getting prepared for a game. They didn't get the luxury. They haven't had that luxury of not having to do that this season. Each week, that even though it was a quote-unquote bye week, even though they had a quote-unquote uh, a, a, a fake bye week, man, in terms of the game being moved from Thanksgiving to the following Wednesday, it still was never a bye week. They still were game right. playing. They still went through the, the, the emotions of preparing for a game. So a lot of that has played into this in terms of that decision as well of how much do you want these guys out there and, and to what extent are you allowing them to know that, hey, man, Ease, ease your mind a little bit. Like yeah, it's just it, yeah. it's that fine line, and that's why I feel like Coach Tomlin is perfect for this because he knows who can handle it and who can't, and that's the most important part. As long as you know, it's no different than the alcohol, right? Alcohol is free. I mean, not free, but it's available to everyone. But everyone doesn't need it. Not everyone can handle it. I mean, you think about it. Some people you would offer it to. Others you're like, I don't need to offer him that. He can't handle that. Same concept right here. If you're Coach Simon, you know the players that you can communicate that with. That hey, man, mentally he needs he needs a little bit of a breather right here. He can communicate with those players. For the ones that he knows can't handle that, I'll be those that can't handle. It. I put my hand up. <laughs> he knows. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. Does does that also include uh, like cheesecake? You know who can handle ooh. a cheesecake and who can't? Oh, don't, don't you tempt me with that cheesecake now. Oh, don't you tempt me with a good time. Don't you do that. Don't you do that now. You know. Biscuits and cheesecake when we get out of here in an hour. Oh, for lunch. man. Don't say, hey, man. Y'all about to have me clear off my whole schedule. <laughs> but to start, oh, our, to start our second hour of the show, we'll have our buddy Jim Wexel of 24-7 Sports. He will join us here in just about five minutes. Going to take our last break of the first hour. 60 minutes in the books, 60 to go. Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler with you here in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR.
You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Hour number two in the locker room. When you hear the Neil Young, that can only mean one thing. It's time to go to the phone lines. Our good friend Jim Wexel of 24-7 Sports is on the line. He's the author of Palomalu as well. And I haven't seen or talked to Wex in a long time. What's going on, Jimmy? Uh, not much. Um, I'm glad you put on some good music today. Um, <laughs> you ever hear the story about his Saturday Night Live when he debuted that song? I have not. I'd love he, to. He did He did jumping jacks and push-ups in the back because he, he was so used to playing that kind of song as a, an encore when he was already worked up a hmm. sweat. And mm. and he had, he had done songs like this before without the push-up. So he did all that, and he had a new drummer, and the drummer says, hey, what do you want from me? And Neil said, get the biggest sticks you can find because we need it on TV. You need the biggest sticks you can find and hit that th- hit those things as hard as you can. <laughs> and and the drummer kind of stole the show. It was a brand new song, and the drummer is just killing the thing. And they kept focusing <laughs> in on him. It was really cool. A really cool shot. If you ever get the chance <laughs> to see that Saturday Night Live, uh, uh, the debut of this song. I'll have to okay, check it out. Hey, the best thing about that, Wex, I was expecting you to come up with the end going, no, uh, Neil came out in vapor lock because he did too many jumping jacks. <laughs> he couldn't sing the song. <laughs> no, he, he was wound up, man. He was, it was a real, it's one of the great uh, TV renditions of uh, any song ever. At least Saturday Night Live thinks so. They, they always honor the song whenever they have their lists. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jim Wexel with us here in the locker room. Uh, Wex, Mason Rudolph starts on Sunday. No Ben Roethlisberger. He'll be in street clothes. How different, in your opinion, is the offense going to look? What are they going to do this week to try and, and tailor their game plan <laughs> around Mason? How different is it going to look from the three plays that we saw last week that were the best <laughs> plays of, of six, you know, six games? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm expecting the worst. I really, to tell the truth, I, I would like to have seen more improvement from Mason this year, and this is going to be his chance. And it's, it's you know, it's how life comes around, isn't it, that he's in Cleveland? His <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought last year he needed to get back on the horse uh, as soon as possible. Well, I don't know if this is some cruel irony from Tomlin or not. But, <laughs> season if Ben stinks it up in the playoffs they may have a decision to make and if Mason stinks it up today I mean Josh Dobbs could be your starting quarterback next year who knows or Dwayne Haskins you know oh Oh, man now Jim Jim, speaking of uh, Dobbs do you think we will see any of him this weekend I think so I think so because I don't think Mason's going to do a great job. I, and, and, you know, I'd love to see Mason prove me wrong. I really like Mason. I, when, when There used to be a thing uh, back in the day. We would go in the locker room and talk to the players. And we got to know them. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Arthur may remember those it, it, it used to be a thing. You know, yeah, I don't know what happened to that thing, man. Yeah, it was one of my favorite so, things, honestly. Chief so, award yeah, winner you Arthur. You were really good at it. You were really good at it, Arthur. That's why you're doing what you're doing now. Well, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, uh, now we can just rip them and say whatever we want about them because we don't have to go in the locker room and face them anymore. <laughs> 
I, 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 at I last he's like, speaking you know, the truth, right? <laughs> I feel like an afternoon radio uh, host who can say whatever he wants without any repercussion <laughs> and then scream about telling the truth. I tell, I'm the only one telling the truth around here. <laughs> when, when, he, when he never has to go face and be accountable, you know. But anyway, uh, I hope Mason does a great job. I'm not expecting it. And uh, if he doesn't, then you got to see Dobbs. You got to see what he has too. And I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of believe in Dobbs a little bit, a little bit more than Mason right now. Prove me wrong, Mason. But uh, I, I want to see both of them. Yeah. You know, I say, from my own opinion, man, I'm looking forward to uh, Mason having that opportunity to kind of face that, uh, you know, the, the the ugliness of what occurred a year ago. And, and come out on top of it. You know, I'm interested in knowing that Miles Garrett, in some ways, right now, he uh, everything I hear from him is speaks of maybe a changed man, and I hope that's true for his own self-benefit, but also, you know, for the game of football, by and large, as a whole, too. And I think this is a great opportunity for Mason to come out and shine. It may be, as you said, Jim, I don't know, but I look forward to him having that opportunity to to show what he can do and do so in a manner that uh, is, is constructive and beneficial to his team. Yeah, well, you know, while I'm taking shots at big guys who can <laughs> knock me down really easily, uh, Al Villanueva needs to play a big game too. Um, right. You know, I thought coming into the year, the top priority at draft time would be a center uh, because they had nobody behind Marquise, and Marquise is getting up there. And they pride themselves on having great centers in this organization. But I don't know that there is a, a first-round center. And uh, I, I'm thinking that maybe left tackle is going to be the priority. Just just my thought after watching this year, you know, running back and quarterback. I mean, so Miles Garrett is going to answer all of those questions, I think. <laughs> Uh, you know what they what they might need in the off season. So I think Villanueva has to step up. He I think he's played fairly well against Garrett in the past. Yeah, but in, yes, uh, he, yes, he, he has. Had, he had a bad game a couple weeks ago. I forget who the uh, rusher was, but uh, he Lawson. struggled. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. uh, this this is going to be a game for all of those positions and. Um, uh, I I personally uh, would rest more people than Mike is uh, contemplating. It sounds like I would treat this like a total preseason game, uh, but nah, that's why I'm a writer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jim, uh, speaking of some of these people that we would all agree that should be resting or not, how would you handle James Conner in that running back room? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, boy, I'm, I, I, I change my mind on who's better, him or Snell, every week. I feel like we all do uh, right now. <laughs> I, I, I think you might as well just stick with the committee. I, if, if Connor's hurting at all, you know, I, I, I lean to him as the starter because I, I really like his courage, his heart. I love all of that. And, you know, I, I think that could come to the forefront in the playoffs. So I would lean to him as the starter, and if he's hurting, I, I, I would I would contemplate resting him. Well, there's no question in my mind. I'm sorry, Wes, I just jumped no, in ahead. here because I can't see nobody. It's your show, Wolf. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, really? I forget. <laughs> yeah, I guess it now might be. Yeah. 
Hey, I've been hanging out with Chalucha for, for so long. It was never my show, okay? So the fact is, um, you know, you think about it, I think this is a perfect time to really unpack Anthony McFarlane and see what he can do rep-wise. I know that James, again, one of the things, that, the unfortunate things is he's been nicked up a lot, okay? But the fact is he always comes out and performs at a high level after some time off. I'm not worried about him if he's got time off over this next this this game coming up. What I love about the element that James brings is the courage, like you said, the fact that he runs the trap very well, and that can come back when you have Dotson pulling in front of him. And then the other thing is the checkdowns that with a, you know, a little bit longer passing game and a little bit of play action, the checkdowns and screens that James came up with in the second half there, I thought were beautiful. I think they're going to be needed as you move forward. Yeah. I agree with all of that, and and I'm not big on carrying this momentum from last week, and I, I don't know that that necessarily happens. I, I I'm all for resting guys like Connor, who you, you you as you said, he's come back strong from rests, and uh, you know he he did find some uh, space, but I think, and this probably would explain a lot of the run game woes. And Wolf, you might agree, but Ben started hitting those deeper passes. Mm. I mean, yeah. oh yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think teams have to respect that. I think his deep accuracy is back. Uh, at least it was last. No week. question. That's the, that's the key for this team. It's amazing how that everything opened up right after that. You started seeing James Washington for thirteen, Dante Johnson for eighteen, Juju for ten. Right. Uh, a couple screens were wide open. Ebron was wide open in the flat for five yard touchdown. Um, guys were open. They didn't have everybody. Uh, you know, triple coverage all over them and and having to make contact catches and things like that. And the running game opened up. I mean, after Deontay Johnson's touchdown catch, they carried five times for 15 yards, which isn't much, but it's better than seven carries for four yards, right? Very true. Very true. (laughs) So there was some space for these guys finally. The defense had to respect Brothelsberger a lot more. Now, Jim, um, first round of the playoffs are about to be starting, right? Still, either be the two or the three seed. Who's the team that you want to play, and who is the team that you do not want to play in that first round? Really don't want to play Baltimore. Really want to play Baltimore, uh, Miami. Mm. I, I want to see Miami come here in in January. That's worked well last time. <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely yes, worked but, well last time. Dupree almost killed a man. Last I, I, time. I thought I witnessed a murder. I, I don't care what no one says. <laughs> I'm glad you guys bring that up because. People kept complaining about Bud Dupree for years, and I would point to that play. I said, this is what the man can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all natural skill. It's there, somewhere there. (laughs) Look at that. I mean, we saw saw that quarterback. I think it was Matt Moore. We saw his soul leave his body. He was lifeless. (laughs) But then the funny thing is he showed up the next play. I still don't know how that happened to this day. They they stopped the game for a second. He came right back in. I can't explain it. There was no protocol. It it was the fastest protocol I've ever seen. All right. (laughs) Were you on the field that day, Arthur? Absolutely, yeah. And I was just like, yo, this is nuts. Just looking like, is he he breathing? I don't see his eyes right now. (laughs) You guys remember the hit by Stefan Tuitt in Cleveland? Oh, absolutely. Austin Davis. Absolutely. Was that Austin Davis? I thought, I thought that was. Austin. I thought that was one of the McCown brothers. Uh, it might have been. It, it could be a McCown. I thought it was Davis. It was a train though. wreck. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Oh my goodness, that was a train. Wreck. I, I witnessed that one too. I, I feel like I'm always around yep. for these like crazy hits. I remember <laughs> I'm chasing after the quarterback because he starts to scramble. He's running out the pocket, so we're chasing after him. And next thing I know, I just see a flash and two bodies parallel. And they hit the ground, and I'm like, did somebody get shot? What, what just happened here? <laughs> like, where did that come from? And then I look up, and I'm like, oh, I see to it. I don't see anybody else. To it gets up, and it's a body in there. I'm like, oh, God, you you did it. Oh. <laughs> you ever well, seen Roadrunner after? <laughs> go ahead, Wax. You go ahead, buddy. Uh, Arthur, when you were playing the Dolphins that playoff game, did you sense that they were cold? Oh, absolutely. You can see it in warm-ups. Um, that was the same year where uh, Shazier has started doing the, the shirtless, shirtless warm-ups, warm right? We started it in Cincinnati. <laughs> so we come out there, and mind you, if anyone remembers that game, that was probably – man, I'm like, that was one of my coldest games I ever played in, in Pittsburgh. It was freezing that day. Yeah. So when yeah. we came out and you see Shay out there with no shirt on, Debo out there with no shirt on. Everybody coming out there with no shirt or we out there with cutoffs on, right? And then you look on the other end and they out there with turf shoes because their toes are cold. They got the big coats on, sweats on. We like, oh, yeah, they don't want this today. They just looked cold. And remember, we started out fast. I think A.B. scored like the, the, yeah. the first either the first or second possession we had. So from then on, you could just see them start turning into – all right, can we get back to Miami now? Is is the game over with yet? And, and we're having a blast because for us, remember, we're all younger too, so that was our first go around of really winning a playoff game. Before then, remember, we had got knocked out in 14. The year after that, we got knocked out by Denver. So to finally be able to, you know, win a game like that and then build that momentum, and it was huge for us. So I, I can see the same thing, and it would be nice to start that all with Miami again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I can see I can see the momentum building again this year. I was thinking about that run you guys had I, I, this morning when I was writing. I was thinking about it. So, yeah, hopefully. Jim Wexel with us here in the locker room. Uh, Wex, last one I wanted to pick your brain on here. Any young guys, you know, we, we talk about wanting to see Mason, want to see Dobbs and, and, and an audition opportunity for those two. Anybody else that you're looking at in that regard? Uh, Anthony McFarland, maybe some of the younger guys on defense, uh, Justin Lane, uh, T. Gray Scales, Cassius Marsh. Any guys that you're kind of circling ahead of the game that you want to see what they're able to, to put on their resume out there on Sunday? Man, yeah, I keep meaning to watch Carlos Davis when he's out there. He's such a big man with such a, a, a you know great testing times and things like that. But I just I, I never really have watched him. Um, uh, I, I, boy, I'd like to see if Spillane can get back out there. Hmm. Uh, but, but no, I don't know. You know, Justin Lane needs more playing time, sure. But there's, there's nothing really that interests me other than, you know, just letting them all play. But I know, I know Mike's not going to let that happen. It's just, it's just against his processes. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I, the other day, it was, I, 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 something happened at night, and I knew it was going to wake up in a bad mood because I knew what happened, and I, <laughs> I had all these things to do, and I knew it was going to be a bad day. But what I did, I stuck to my processes, you know, what I do, uh, the meditation, the prayer, every step. I did not want to miss any of it, and sure enough, the day turned out just fine. So I think Mike uh, is just going to stick with what he does, his processes, and and that's what he's trained to do. Uh, you know, uh, we writers and media guys can all say, hey, sit this guy, sit that guy, let's have some fun, you know, everybody take a break. You know, and then 
then Cleveland wins, makes the playoffs, comes back and beats you next week too. So <laughs> it just it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do, but I I would do it because I think rest is so important right now for a team that didn't get its bye. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, the one thing I will say, who is it? Was it Jim Moore or was it the other coaches? The goal is to win the game. <laughs> and that's the mantra <laughs> of the era that I come from. Even as I, I talked to these guys and shared with them back in the 80s when the fourth preseason game, Chuck put us back in the game after sitting out for a couple quarters because he wanted to win the game. But that's the emphasis on keeping that winning begets winning. And so I, I, I think – you know, I, I come from the school of thought where Mike is right now in the sense of if I can at all by any means other than, you know, putting the, uh, Ben Roethlisberger at risk and some of the other guys, you want to win the game as, be- as much as possible. Yeah, and, uh, and and Mike can say afterwards, he can look at me back in there and, and, in Zoom corner and say, <laughs> you don't know and you never will. <laughs> when, when I ask him, why, why didn't you rest everybody? You know, <laughs> you don't know. Would, Speaking like, of more. Wex, would, yeah. you, would you not be like amazed if he sometimes looked at you and said more car, more cowbell, you know, or more barn. <laughs> there you go. Now he's speaking your language. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, we're speaking of Saturday Night Live. That more cowbell skip might have been the funniest of all time. <laughs> it was in my mind, man. It was in mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Jim, I, this is my last one. I got to put your feet to the fire here, okay? Uh-oh. We believe it's a two-horse okay. race. We believe it's a two-horse race. Defensive player of the year, who you got? T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. Oh, man, I, I really don't pay that much attention to the rest of the league. I don't play fantasy defensive lineman ball. I got to be T.J., right? I, I can't imagine. Donald doesn't have better stats than him. He and, does not. And TJ kind of got ripped, ripped off a little bit last year. TJ's got the better stats. Plus, TJ's on the team that's winning their division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus, he's from another planet. And you have to yes. honor that. He's only planet. visiting right now. He's visiting. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys, before, before we let Jim go here, did you guys see JJ Watt's reply to that? No, what did he say? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. JJ. No my Christmas present yeah. took so long to JJ get JJ said that explains why my Christmas <laughs> presents took so long to get <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Jim Wexel, kind enough to join us in the locker room at this time every Wednesday. Wex, we appreciate your time and happy new year. Thank you guys. Where can you find that tremendous book, Paul Amalu? Right now, Barnes and Noble has reached out to me, but I'm not ready to give them my books yet. So it's still jimwexel.com or shop.steelers.com and then search for books shop.steelers.com or the Steelers stores. You know, there's Tanger Outlets, Grove City Outlets, and uh, the Heinz Field store. So right now, that's the only place. And everybody loves it. So I I thank everybody out there for chiming in on Twitter and and giving me your responses. It's been great. I like it. Awesome. Awesome. And if you're from another planet and you're late on Christmas gifts, get yourself a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Wex, appreciate the time, partner. Happy New Year. Thanks, guys. Bye. There he is, Jim Wexel. Love that guy. Great stuff. And yeah, you know, oh, I, I, when, I, when I went to call him here, guys, before we went on the segment, he was like, Wes, where you been, man? I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard from you in forever. And I was like, well, Wex, you know, we're not, you know, no more Mike Tomlin press conferences on Tuesday. That's what I would normally see, Wex, and, and all those guys every single week. Yeah, great stuff from him. And absolutely, uh, the author of Palomalu, 
which is is just a fantastic read if you're if you're somebody who bleeds black and gold. Available at jimwexel.com, shop.steelers.com. You can search for books, or you can just do shop.steelers.com backslash Palomalu. Good gift uh, to head into the new year here with. Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler. You're in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Shotgun snap. He's back. He waits. He's hit. Bud Dupree has him. He throws the ball away. Oh, Oh Cam Hayward rocked him. Oh, he rocked his ribs, baby. Yeah, he rocked his ribs. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. In the locker room, Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler with you here on this Wednesday, getting ready for Stellar's Brands in Cleveland on Sunday. And I tell you what, guys, I'm I'm interested to keep an eye on old number six in the backfield. You know, wearing those nasty brown helmets and those, you know, those those vomit colored jerseys that they rock over there in Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield, man, he had, he had a rough outing to say the least last time out against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had a rough outing out to say the least this past Sunday against the New York jets. I, I am interested to see how he responds. You know, we've talked about how we want to evaluate Mason Rudolph and maybe Josh Dobbs in this game. I bet you there's a lot of people in Cleveland that are sitting there and obviously Baker's their guy. But are thinking, you know what, if he is really that dude, if he is the franchise, if he's the number one overall pick, he's got to show us something on Sunday. We've got guys on the COVID list. We've got our, you know, our playoff lives hanging in the balance against our crosstown rivals who have kicked our butt over the last couple decades and who kicked our butt earlier this season. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see what type of, you know, good Baker, bad Baker, what type of performance he has on Sunday. Yeah, uh, he's been the one this I mean, one of the more interesting younger quarterbacks in terms of just a lightning rod. You don't know if you're getting really good Baker or really bad Baker. There, We haven't really found a lot of common ground. Now, this year, he's been more good than bad, and obviously their record reflects that. But, yeah, he, he's the one, man. If, if Cleveland fancies themselves as playoff contenders, this is a game that your quarterback, if Baker's the guy, he should go out there and win. If the roles were reversed and it's been versus a backup for the Browns, and we need to win to get in. Oh, I know the answer. I've, I've been I've, I've been in that story as well. Yeah, Ben's going to get the job done. You know, so so I feel like this is a game that if you're Cleveland, you expect Baker to come out and be hot. You expect Baker to come out and lead this team. I mean, granted, it's not Baker versus Mason because obviously it's Mason versus the Browns defense, Baker versus the Steelers defense. But if you're Baker Mayfield in this type of game. There is no alternative outcome. There is no excuse for allowing Mason or a combination of Mason and Dobbs or any other combination at quarterback that doesn't include Ben Roethlisberger. There's no excuse for you to lose that type of game if you're Baker Mayfield. Well, I'll say this. Baker Mayfield has given a whole new meaning to the uh, phrase, Wake, why well, woke up feeling dangerous. You know? <laughs> I mean, dangerous are uh, yeah, he's dangerous to his own team, yes. it seems like, Gosh. more often than not. And uh, when you look at a three-fumble performance such as he had 
last weekend, you know, without the, you know, here, here's the thing about it. You know, this kid is capable of some, some big things, but it seems like he gets in his own way uh, more times than not. And I, you know, I, I think he's got some qualities about him. I like the fact that they roll him out and that they, that does in my mind makes him a little more quote unquote dangerous. But the fact of the matter is he's, he usually seems to implode at some time or other mm-hmm. in the big games. And, uh, that's something I think the Steelers, you could, hey, you can just turn the heat up and keep after him, yep. and uh, sooner or later, he's going to hand you the game. And at times, he does seem to be emotionally weak, right? We, we talked about, like, just a mental right. standpoint, man. You see him get flustered at times, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but typically at the quarterback position where all eyes are on yeah, you, you, you want to maintain a little bit more of a neutral demeanor so that way your guys aren't overreacting or panicking too soon. So that is something that I, I would be paying attention to as well because he's going to have some adversity. If the if the Steelers starting defense is out there at the beginning, he's going to have some adversity. We know that part. But how does he respond no to question. it? And, and that's the biggest difference with him versus some of these other up-and-coming quarterbacks, how they handle the adversity, how, how their body language looks in the midst of those difficult times. I think you've got to shut the water off on Nick Chubb and on Kareem Hunt, hmm. and you've got to make Baker beat you. You know, and I, I don't think Baker can do that. He may, you know, hey, 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 he could do it. But, I, again, if you put all the pressure on him and keep him without a running game, uh, I think that I don't think he can carry the water for the day. Yeah, I think that's key, too, Wolf. You're absolutely right. That was a big part of, of what led the Steelers to, to you know, the 38-7 to victory against Cleveland early on in the season. They kind of handcuffed the Browns. You know, they we hear this term a lot, you know, when when – People talk about Bill Belichick, right? How he makes you play left-handed. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with, he takes that away and makes you do something else. That's exactly what the Steelers did to the Browns earlier in the year, right? I mean, they uh, Kareem Hunt and and Nick. Well, actually, you know what? Was Nick Chubb? Did Nick Chubb play in that game? Or no, was it just uh, Chubb Kareem was Hunt? out. Chubb was okay, out. Okay, no. I thought so. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. So so Nick Chubb was out. They weren't able to get it going with Kareem Hunt, and, and you saw what happened. They were very stagnant on offense. Baker Mayfield took a lot of big shots. We heard that one there from Cam Hayward and Bud Dupree coming back in this segment. Uh, I'm with you, Wolf. If you tell me right now, not even completely shut down those guys, right? But if they can just limit Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt from having the type of days we all know they're capable of having behind that offensive line, if they can just slow down and limit those guys, I think you're right. Baker's going to have to make plays, and he's going to be doing that now with with a wide receiver room that has a bunch of guys on the COVID list that haven't practiced, that haven't mm. played. They're shorthanded in that realm. Almost, you know, maybe you could say they were a little shorthanded in the run game without Nick Chubb when, the, when they came here earlier in the season. Now they're shorthanded in the pass game. Force them to be one-dimensional. Force them to be predictable. And, and yeah, I think that, that they're really going to struggle, and, and you'll see that frustrated version of Baker Mayfield. Uh, oh, no question about it. And here's the thing about it, too. And uh, I, I look at Baker, and, you know, you respect the guy's a pro. He got there uh, legitimately so. Sure. Um, but, again, big moments and big big key games. This is what, what separates a guy from the Bens from the Bakers of the world is big moments are not too big for Ben. You know what I mean? Yep. He comes through in those times and has a proven track record of it. That's what Baker doesn't. And I really think that, um, you know, if you play Baker in the right way, keep him in the pocket, make him not not allow him to escape. And this, Arthur, you, I, I'd like you to expand on this, but not allowing him to keep the play alive, to extend the play, as they say, 
with that little bit of right hand rollout stuff that he does, you know, when he escapes the pocket, mm-hmm. he seems to go to his right very, very well and, and do some things there. But uh, you might want to address how you, you keep him in the pocket. No, without a doubt, Baker, he's not the type that's escaping the pocket to run. We talk about you have two different styles of quarterbacks, right? You got the guys who escape the pockets and they're looking to take off. You got guys who escape and they're looking to throw. Baker is not a fleet-footed guy. As weird as it is, I mean, he's not the most athletic guy and he's undersized, which is like typically it doesn't work that way, right? (laughs) But for for Baker, he does have a a natural feel, though, an ability to step up, to escape out the pocket and things like that. But the biggest thing, man, when you're facing a quarterback that you know wants to escape and he likes to escape out the back door of this thing, right? In terms of Hmm. stepping back, not not necessarily trying to find some quarterbacks, they want to step up and drift to a right or up and go left. Some guys, they want to step and go back behind the tackle behind the tackle you got russell wilson who's a spin guy right you always see him reverse out everybody mm-hmm. has their thing but the biggest thing as an edge rusher or as a d tackle whichever side of the ball you're starting on you have to make sure that your outside arm baker never gets outside of that so mm-hmm. the way that we would always talk about is your landmarks when you're rushing and your landmark is always the quarterback's upfield shoulder and why is that important because if i'm attacking their upfield shoulder they will not be able to lose ground to outrun me if i attack their inside shoulder they can give ground and outflank me and then from there it's a foot race and most of the time i mean the, the quarterback's just based on the way it is in 2020, they, they're athletic enough to give you a little bit of trouble. We saw that when we played against the uh, the Bengals. Yeah. So I do think that that's going to be the biggest part in terms of keeping Baker in the pocket and not allowing him to extend plays. You have to stay on his upfield shoulder when you're rushing him. If you're on the right side, you got to stay on that right side upfield shoulder. If you're on the left side, absolutely do the exact same thing. But to the left side, that's going to be the biggest part because Baker is a shorter guy also. If you make him sit in that pocket, yeah. man, he struggles. He struggles to see. That's why he excels in play-action pass because what? He's able to get out on the move. He has the option to run, but he's not going to run. But more importantly, is nobody in front of him so he can see the field. So I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest reason why you have to keep him in that pocket because just like Drew Brees, it hurts their vision. They can't see everything the way they need to. Excellent. Excellent point. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, fellas, we're going to take our final break here of the year. I mean, this is it. Wow. Every, everything on the table. Last segment in the locker room. The last one of the year? The last no. one. Oh, Wolf, I won't talk to you until next year. <laughs> Did, yeah, did anybody crazy. else, you know, that used to always, you know, you'd be in school and you'd be walking out on the last day before Christmas break and your teachers would say, all right, we'll see you next year. And you're just like, why? I oughta. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next year, buddy. <laughs> we'll have our last segment coming back on the other side. Craig Wolfley, Arthur Boats, Wesley Euler, you're in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Wrapping up the show, our last one before New Year's Day here. You see what I did with the song. That's New Year's Day by you, too. Oh, man, I'm so creative <laughs> back here. <laughs> Craig Wolfley, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, and fellas, we have some breaking news. 
into the locker room here uh, via the NFL Network just about 20 minutes ago. The Cleveland Browns learned this morning that a coach and a practice squad player have tested positive for COVID-19. Contact tracing is ongoing. Whew. Man, man, But man. we all know this, right, as, as our good friend Bob Labriola laid out yesterday. As long as it's not the Ravens, I mean, they're still going to make them play on Sunday. Which we all can agree. Yeah. This is that, that the game is getting played. They, we have not come this far for them to not play that game. So I'm not even concerned. I thought you were about to say something no, bad, I'm like the game good. got flexed. I got nervous for a second. No, not the flex. Not the, uh, as I was say, don't you curse at me did today? You, did you see what they? Did you see <laughs> no. what they made the, the flex on Sunday? No, no, night? I, I didn't see. I, uh, uh. Cowboys football team. I like that though. No. Yeah, because I, mean, I that's, can, that's, that's I can be, I can games, be in bed at halftime and not care. <laughs> I like that game, man. You know what? Here's the thing about it that's so beautiful, because I come from the era of the America's team when they were toting and sure. hollering mm-hmm. and all that stuff about the Cowboys. And the fact that they never got straight about them is that Pittsburgh never cared because Steelers only, only wanted to be Pittsburgh's team. Yep. You know, the Cowboys were all the flair and everything else. And it was always, if you go back through the 80s and that, it was all about the, the Steelers. They just wanted to be Pittsburgh's team. And I think that worked out well too, Wolf, right? Because even, I mean, we all know this, more than 50% of our callers, our tweeters, our listeners, they're from outside of Pittsburgh, right? So that Steelers, Mm -hmm. that Steelers nation is still, it's a brand across the country. It's a brand across the world. Moats and I, we've had a couple callers, what, from Portugal and and things like that in the past. I'm sure you guys have had the same thing. So I think, yeah, I think in sticking to that Pittsburgh, that blue collar that work ethic, that lunch pail identity, as as opposed to trying to go, you know, Hollywood or go mainstream. I think they even ended up identifying with more people that way. It, it still worked out well in that regard. No question about it. It was really the culture between two cities. You know, the, the steel town toughness of Pittsburgh and the uh, flashy Dallas nightlife yep. that was occurring <laughs> back then in the <laughs> 80s. Even went down to, you take the, the cheerleaders, okay? You know, they had the cheerleaders and all the razzmatazz. They even had, back in the 80s, they even had a Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders movie, okay, that was on TV. But the (laughs) fact was, in Pittsburgh, they don't have cheerleaders. And as Mr. Rooney once said, uh, our fans don't need cheerleaders to tell them when to cheer. (laughs) They know when to cheer. We, we, We had Myron Cope and the Pittsburgh Polka, right, Wolf? Yeah, there you go. That's right, exactly. The Pittsburgh polka baby. But those were great times. It was another time. And, and the fact of the matter was, in the biggest times, that being in the 70s, the Steelers whooped the, the Cowboys in the, in the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl. Absolutely. And that's something that they never could really recoil from. Let's get to some reaction here uh, before we get out of here, gentlemen. Interesting tweet here from Adam. Adam tweeted us and said, on Wolf's weekly show, with uh, Edmonds, he asked him about certain game balls he would hold on to if he picked off certain quarterbacks. And I see, Wolf, people are always listening out there. Adam wants yeah, to know wow. Adam wants to know if there's certain game balls that the two of you held on to, Moats and Wolf. Any game balls that you guys held on to and the story behind them? Uh, yeah, I got – I mean, I got a good amount at the house. Uh, let's see. My favorite one – You know, I got I got three. Yeah, I have three. So my favorite one is my Giants interception from a preseason game because I gave it to my son. Man, he he actually loves to play with this ball cool. like all the time. Runs around with it. every time I see him with it, and it has the giant logo. I'm like, yeah, I took their head. It's mine now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, the spoils of war. The 
become toys for my children. That's how I look at it, man. So, so, (laughs) so that's my always my favorite one, just because of that little element right there. But I also have two other ones. Um, one was my first shutout that we had uh, as a a professional player against the Miami Dolphins. Man, would have been my third. Yeah, my third during the NFL. Crazy, it took three years to get my first shutout, right? But. We got our first shutout, and uh, Mike Patton, who was the DC at the time, man, he ends up uh, getting us all uh, a cuss like the the game balls for that to represent, you know, the defense that went out there and produced this shutout. So that was the the, the other one, and then in Pittsburgh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think my favorite one in Pittsburgh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I have a uh, turnover from a, a Johnny Manziel game. Um, it, it was actually, you know, it, it was a fun time. We started out fast. You talk about starting fast. I think it was my f- the first defensive play of the game. He goes to throw it. It comes out his hand. It looks like an interception. They rule it as a fumble recovery slash weird. I don't really know. I happened to catch the ball. I felt great. I got the ball, so I still have it. Now, the reason why I keep the ball, though, and it always, you know, is significant to me is because I lost money that game. I got fined. And, yeah, every time <laughs> I look at the ball, I'm like, all right, I lost this money because of this quarterback, so I'm going to make sure I, I, I keep this ball until I feel like I've gotten my money's worth of this football. So, so yeah, that's the other game ball I keep. Wolf? You know, uh, the only game ball we had was a couple where, you know, offensively we had big outputs and uh, those are very significant, but I'm sitting here in my, uh, you know, at, at home here and I have a statue that was given to me as it was given to all the other offensive linemen. It's a little miniature one and it's from Franco Harris. And it takes me back to, and, it, and the plaque on it says it was a great run. And then says Franco Harris. And, you know, I hold on to that. I love it. I keep it right here. Uh, in, in at home where I you know you can see it a lot and it just reminds me of the time when at Three Rivers Stadium and I <laughs> I wish I could remember whether Franco went over twelve thousand yards or over or he broke Jim Brown's record I can't remember which it was but the fact was um, we crashed out of bounds on a flow thirty six it's like a sweep to the outside and I remember they stopped the game and it was a hot day at Three Rivers and Franco they gave him the game ball. And I'm like, you know how it is when you're just vapor locking in the huddle. And Franco <laughs> came up to me and he goes, what are you breathing so hard for? I ran as far as you did. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I'm a fat guy. You're not. <laughs> so that's that's the story behind what I, oh, what, I love what, it. What, I ran me, as far as you did. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Now, before we get out of here real quick, I got to tell my tale of glory. All right. Here so, we go. Here we go. All right. So hockey was my sport growing up. Okay. Um, and my dad, yeah. like, like a lot of the fathers out there, my dad never missed a game. I played for two or three teams at a time. He never missed a game. Well, my junior year of high school, he had to miss a game. We played on a Saturday night. My dad, most of you people who have listened, you know, my dad plays in the symphony. We've talked about that a lot. He had a concert mm-hmm. the same time that we had a game. So it was the first time, like, ever in my hockey career that my dad was going to miss one of my games, and he was so distraught. Like, he was really bothered by it. And I was like, Pops, it's cool. Like, you know what I mean? It's not a big deal. And I played defense, right? So I didn't score goals very often. I was a defense. You know, I was like a young Chris Letang out there. Mm, nice okay. nice hair. Look, nice hair looking good. I didn't, sc- I didn't score a ton of goals. <laughs> <laughs> so before my dad left for work and I left for the game, I was like, yeah, don't worry about it, Pops. I'm going to score you a hat trick. No big deal. 
and I got the only hat trick of my career wow. that night. No way! And my, oh. and, and my coach, oh, my coach no. gave me the game puck afterwards, and my dad got home. And you know, this was before like I don't even know if I had a cell phone at this time. So my dad gets home that night, and he's like, "Well, how'd it go? How'd it go?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no big deal. Hat trick, game puck, no oh, big deal." Oh man! <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he still has that. So that that, that was mine. That now, was mine. now, now did did that become a thing where it's like, Dad? Well, now you can't come to games uh, exactly. anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I should have told him you got to stay away, pops. Hey, Maybe hey, I'd be hey, in the NHL right now. Dad, man, I had a hat trick the first game. You didn't show up. You are the reason. <laughs> How about the fact that that's the first time I've ever heard the expression "game puck"? Game puck. Yeah, I'm not. I've never heard "game puck" really? either. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard that. I didn't yeah, know. I've never heard that before. I like it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I thought they give out like the stars, right? Don't they give out like they two do, stars, but you've three seen stars? The pictures like, you know, Sidney Crosby gets his thousandth career point and he's posing in the locker room with the, the puck after the game. Okay. Yeah, you know, game ball, game puck, game. Well, I guess baseball would be game ball, too. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Basketball as well, too. Yeah, so that's the only one. I like it. That was fun, fellas. Wolf, thanks for having us this week, man. It's been a lot of fun. I about to say, appreciate Thank your you hospitality, so man. Your hospitality hey, hey, you was awesome. love you guys. You guys are awesome. No, we love you, too. We love you, too. Happy New Year to you, Wolf, mm-hmm. and to Motes, and, and to all the listeners out there. And, and let's go get a W on Sunday in Cleveland, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll do it for uh, for Motes and I and for Wolf this week. You'll have your, your normal locker room back next week, I believe. Uh, but, you know, we, we had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys this week. We appreciate it. Happy New Year to everybody, certainly. And, uh, and we'll talk to you guys uh, going forward here. You know where to find us, mm-hmm. all right? It's on uh, ESPN Pittsburgh and on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.